0: Romans chapter 8 verses 4 through 9, we'll read these verses responsively, beginning together and then reading every other verse together and ending together, and I'll read the verses in between. Romans chapter 8 verses 4 through 9, the Word of God says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let's pray. Lord, we turn to you tonight to teach us the Scripture. This is uh, your book, and it's spiritual, it must be spiritually discerned. So we pray the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts, and Lord, I pray that you'd use this conversation we'll have this evening in someone's life to help them from taking the path of carnality and choosing a life of, help them to choose a life of Christ-likeness and to be a committed Christian. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This evening I'm not going to preach as much as I'd like to have a conversation with you. Uh, If you and I were to go to a coffee shop, of which I know all of them in town, and we were to sit down in a coffee shop and grab a quiet little corner, and we'd have a nice cup of coffee in front of us and perhaps nice little piece of muffin or something to go along with the coffee. After all, the the Holy Spirit's involved here, so He would have everything just perfect. And if we were to sit down and have a conversation, I would like to give you some things to think about. This would be somewhat like a conversation that I would have with someone if I was a little concerned about what direction they were going. Perhaps I see them at a crossroads, they have done well. Perhaps they're not doing bad, but struggling spiritually. Or perhaps I've seen them take some steps the wrong direction. And perhaps they're doing well and I just wanted to encourage them. But we're sitting down having a conversation. And an important fact to understand is that there are three kinds of Christians in the world. Now we know the world can be divided into two main categories. That's the lost people, those are without Christ. They they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Perhaps they're ignorant of him. Perhaps they reject him. They're not saved. They're not born again. They're a heartbeat away from hell. Uh, they're not children of God. A lot of different ways the Bible describes them. That is the multitude of the planet. You understand that. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Most people on the planet are lost. But then there are some who are saved. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've been born again. They know who God is. They know what the Bible says about salvation. They believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they die, the hope for their soul is in the fact that Jesus Christ is going to keep his word and and save them. And did save them when he, when they put their faith in Him. So of those two great categories, the lost are not God's children. That's a whole other category. We're not going to really speak to them tonight. Tonight we're speaking to those who are saved, those who claim the name of Christ, those who are born again. Now that's a much smaller portion of the world because the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life. So of the people that are saved in this world that truly are the children of God, we can break that group down into three smaller categories. And there are three kinds of Christians. Uh, There are carnal Christians, casual Christians, and committed Christians. You fit into one of these categories. You're not categorized by which group you want to be in you're categorized by how you choose to live. You've chosen the category you're in based on the decisions you've made, the priorities in your life, how you are deciding to live your life. And I ask you this this evening, which category do you currently fit in? The carnal, the casual, the committed? And I don't think these categories are static. It's possible for a carnal Christian to become a committed Christian. And it's possible for a committed Christian to become a casual Christian. And of these three kinds, depending on where you're at in your life, you can move in and out of these categories, once again, based on the decisions you make and how you choose to live. But I ask you tonight, as it sits not where you want to be, not not what you intended when you got saved, not back when things were well or back when things were bad. I mean, tonight, as you have chosen to live recently and as your life would be categorized today by the scripture, which category do you fit in? My goal is that by the end of this brief conversation, that all of us would choose and make a decision I want to be a committed Christian I want to I want to move up to that category and if I feel like I already am in that category I want to make sure that I don't slide back into one of these other categories because it's so easy to do so let me talk to you as we sit and have this conversation about life and eternity uh, let me explain to you what a carnal Christian is. You say, Preacher, how do I know if I'm a carnal Christian? Well, the word carnal means pertaining to the flesh or fleshly. It's the opposite of spiritual. It's earthly. Uh, caring about more about the things of the world than the things of eternity. Caring more about fleshly things than spiritual things. Now, the Bible warns us about... Carnality warns us about uh, being a carnal Christian. Matter of fact, the verses we read, if you'll look at them in Romans chapter 8, we could spend a lot of time on these, but I just want to briefly touch on a few things. Uh, These warn us of those who would choose to be carnal Christians. Verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So God's intention is after you and I get saved, is that we choose to live in righteousness. God did not save you to continue in your sin. God did not save you like this crazy grace movement teaches, that God's all love and He doesn't care how you live. He has no opinion about your life. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters to God. Grace is not a license to sin. God saved us so we could live in righteousness. Look at the next verse, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So here he draws a distinction between Christians. Some people, they live after the flesh. They're saved, they're they're born again, but they live after the flesh. They're still following after the flesh. They're still led by their flesh. And that that phrase, after the flesh, is important if you're going to discern the rest of the teachings here in Romans chapter 8. So there are some who live after the flesh. What does that mean? They mind the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh are on their mind. They're consumed with the things of this world. They live for the pleasures of this life. They're more concerned about the football score than than whether their tithe went in the plate. They're more concerned about their paycheck than what kind of man or woman they're becoming. They're more concerned about what kind of fun they had than if their friends and family and loved ones and neighbors are going to go to heaven or hell. They just mind the things of the flesh. Their, Their mind is consumed and filled with the things of this world. But look at the next verse. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. So God says, listen, this choice of how you choose to live after the flesh or after the spirit, it's really a matter of life or death. Are you going to live your life trying to get all you can in a fleshly way and you die a slow, painful agonizing, insignificant death that means nothing for eternity? Or is your life going to be characterized by life and peace? Seeking after the good of others and the things of God and having peace with God and your neighbor. Now look at the next verse, because this is important for us to discern the difference. Verse 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. You say, well, I, I love God. You know, carnal people often say, I love God. No, the Bible says if you, live, if you live and you have a carnal mind, that's enmity with God. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you're a friend of God's enemies, what does that make you? It's confusing. Whose team are you on? Whose side are you on? And oftentimes, I know a lot of people that got arrested for being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And if you spend your life with the wrong people, if you spend your life with carnal people, you will often get punished or have difficulties because you're with the wrong people. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind can't, it doesn't care what God says, neither indeed can be. You cannot legislate righteousness. The hope for America is not new laws making people be righteous. The hope for America is getting people saved so they can be righteous through the Spirit of God. Look at verse 8. So then, they that are. In the flesh, now notice in the flesh is a different phrase than after the flesh. And this is important. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, for, but without faith it's impossible to please God. And what you'll find is people that are in the flesh are unbelievers, they have never been saved. It's impossible for them to please God. And the next verse defines that for us. Look at the next verse, verse 9. But ye, Christian, are not in the flesh, but in the who? Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So here's the distinction. God says you are either in the Spirit, that's lost, or excuse me, you're either in the Spirit, that's saved, or you're in the flesh, and that's lost. You're in the Spirit, that's saved. Or you're in the flesh, that's lost. Lost people cannot please God. But wait a minute. You can be in the Spirit walking after the flesh. Carnal. And God warns you, Christian friend, if you are in the Spirit, then walk in the The spirit and Galatians tells us if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But there's a lot of Christians who claim the name of Christ. They've been born again. There was a time when their sins were erased, but they're living in rebellion against God. Because they're still led by their flesh. You say, preacher, you're raising your voice. I thought this was a conversation. Oh, you've never had one of these conversations with me? Sometimes I get passionate. I get excited about things. This is the carnal Christian. Now what did the Bible say? Carnality is the way to death. You say, preacher, you're always preaching against sin. That's because I don't want you to die. I'm not talking about just drying into Duncan Stupor or some overdose drug house. I'm talking about the more agonizing, slow painful death of insignificance as every day you allow your flesh to determine your actions and every day is a wasted opportunity for you to live for eternity and every time a Christian chooses carnality Satan wins a victory every day that you or I choose to live in the flesh is a day lost for Christ this is the carnal Christian. God intends us to live through the Spirit and not after the flesh once we get saved. Look at verse 13. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, remember that phrase? After the flesh ye shall what? Die. Die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or kill the deeds of the, of the body, ye shall live. And so this is talking about living every day, walking in the Spirit, choosing to deny the lusts of my flesh, lest I be the castaway, bring into subjection the lusts of my flesh, lest I uh, be shipwrecked and, and striving every day to live through the power and in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Some Christians remain carnal after salvation. They never grow, or perhaps they grow and then they go back The famous verses, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4, I'll just read them to you. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walking as men? For one saith, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? See, carnality, fleshliness, it breeds envying, strife, division, sin, apathy. What's a carnal Christian look like? They're worldly. They fashion their life after the world. Their appearance isn't based on what's right and wrong, it's based on what trendsy, uh, what is trendy, what makes them feel good about themselves, what label is on the clothes or what magazine they're modeling themselves after. The manner of their life is fashioned after the world instead of after Christ. Their priorities and their practices mirror the lost world more than they mirror the Son of God. They're building their life based on this world. What is socially acceptable? What is popular in our culture? That's how they choose to live. They're fleshly. The carnal Christian is consumed with the cares of this world. They live for the pleasures of of sin they make decisions based on the pride of life they may serve God when it's convenient they may obey God occasionally when they feel like it but if they're not feeling spiritual they don't do anything spiritual because they live by feeling and emotion it's a lustful life I want this I don't want that I want this I don't want that rather than living by the principles of God's Word. The carnal Christian is physical more than spiritual. They have earthly thinking and priorities. They don't tithe because it doesn't make sense financially. They don't tell anybody about Jesus because they don't want to bother anybody. They'll work on Sunday because after all, they get paid double time. They... May not be a good husband or a good wife because, after all, their needs aren't being met. The list goes on and on and on. It's all based on me, my, mine. This is the carnal Christian, and I warn you, dear Christian friend, if this is the life you choose, you 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 choose a life of death. You choose a life of suffering. Oh, I know it looks pleasurable. I know Satan makes it look good. Just as Eve thought eating that apple was going to change her life for the better. And yet it plunged the whole human race into hell and sin. This is the carnal Christian. Do you fit in that category? Is that what your life looks like? Then there's the casual Christian. The casual Christian is not necessarily a carnal christian they're just not all that committed either they're not really sinful but neither are they sanctified they do what is required but with no urgency they'll obey most of the time perhaps because they know they should But with no real dedication. The casual Christian is informal in appearance and informal in spirit. They have relaxed standards of holiness. Oh, they believe in right and wrong, just they may not agree with God. They believe people should be saved, they just probably don't witness. They're nonchalant about the gospel, they're erratic with their church attendance. I'll go if I don't have anything else planned. I'll go if I don't have a better deal offered me. I'll go if I feel like it, but hey, if it's hunting season, if it's fishing season, if I'm a little bit tired or I worked a little too hard that week, don't count on me. This is the casual Christian. Oh, they're easy going and they're easy to get along with, but they're also unattached to the other church members. They're not really out of the church, but they're not really in the church. They're not opposed to the things of God, but they're not really committed to the things of God. They are for right, they just may not do right themselves. They're unconcerned about lost souls. They're careless about the will of God, making decisions not based on what does God want but what feels right, what seems right, what can I logic? They have occasional moments of greatness. Every once in a while you'll see a spark in them that's like, wow, they really could make a difference for God. But no, they're casual. They're just not committed enough, not dedicated enough to keep going. They're indifferent to their Christian duties. They pray some. They read the Bible some. They'll do some good. They'll give a little to the church. They might come out and help for a special day. But they're casual. They're apathetic about spiritual things. Very susceptible to peer pressure. Kind of like a chameleon Christian. If they're around a Christian, they they can act like a decent Christian. If they're around a lost person, then they can act an awful lot like a lost person. Perhaps their speech. Man, if they're around a preacher, they're not going to cuss. But if they're out in the world, hey, you know, if you're at work, hey, whatever. Don't really make an effort to be like Jesus. They'll say things like, well, this is just who I am. This is how God made me. I just have to be who I am no you're casual you're not committed to being like Christ you're not dedicated to living in the spirit one of my preachers used to say a casual Christian becomes a casualty casual Christians fall they're the ones who are in my office saying, I never thought I would do something like this. They're the ones who hate themselves because they, uh, they, didn't, they thought drinking was okay, but they drank too much and went too far. They got too angry. They didn't mean to lay their hands on her. They didn't mean to hit him. And I, I, I don't know how this happened. No, it happened because you're casual. See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that it is impossible for you to have a good Christian testimony if you're not faithful to the house of God. It's impossible for you to live for God without trying to. Let me encourage you in the Christian life, there is no try, there is only do or do not. Try means I'm really not going to, but I'll make pretend like I'm, gonna, I'm going to. And when someone tells me I'll try, I'll often say the statement I just said. There is no try in the words of a great man. There is do or do not. Try means I'm not going to, but I don't want to say it. Try means if everything falls into place and it doesn't cost me any time, energy, or money, I'll do it. We're living in a world that doesn't know the meaning of dedication, commitment, resolve. And as we sit talking this evening, I ask you, which category do you fit in? A carnal Christian? The casual Christian. Just like we talked about broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way to life. There's more lost people than saved people. There are far more casual Christians and carnal Christians than there are committed Christians. The next group is small in number by percentage. Few Christians compared to all those who are saved in the world are striving to be in this category. This is the category of the committed Christian. This is the one who strives to be like Christ. They sacrifice to live like God. They're surrendered to the will of God, laying aside their best laid plans and dreams. They love what God loves and they hate what God hates. Oh, there's a price to being a committed Christian. That's why so few are willing to pay it. These are people that don't just name the name of Christ. They'd want to carry the name well. They might have a multitude of other professions, but they don't get up every day to make a living. They get up every day to make a difference. They're not who they ought to be. And they're usually very disappointed with where they are today. But oftentimes you'll see their eyes get moist and perhaps a tear escape their eye. And they'll say, but I want to be more for God. I want to be more like Jesus. I thank God I'm not who I used to be. And I don't want to stay where I am. I want to give God more. I want to be more like Him. I want to do more for Him. I want to bring more honor and glory to God. We find the example of this In Philippians chapter 3, turn there with me. We're having a conversation about your life. Which direction are you going? Which category are you in? How would your life be categorized? Philippians chapter 3, we see the heart and testimony of a committed Christian. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Here's the Apostle Paul. If you read his resume before, I mean, he was set up in life. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was a Pharisee, he was zealous, he had a name among the Pharisees, he was classically trained in the Hebrew religion, he was a rising star in the political and social and religious life of the Jews. Any common person would have looked at Saul and said he's got it made. He's got a golden spoon in his mouth. He can't do anything wrong. All he has to do is just keep his nose clean and he'll be set up for life. He had everything that the people in our community are killing themselves for. Throwing away marriages. Throwing away families. Working themselves to the bone. Paul had it all. But one day he found something. Or better, someone where he said, all those things that you prize, it's like dung to me. It's like dog do. It's like cow pie. It means nothing. And I will give it all away to win Christ. And those weren't just pretty words, he did. He gave it all away. Because he wasn't a casual Christian. He wasn't a carnal Christian. He was committed. How committed was he? Look at verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain under the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. He said, listen, I haven't arrived, but I want to be like Christ. I've got something I'm pushing for. I've got something I'm striving for. He said, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I live to be like Jesus. I dream at night about how to win more people to Christ. When they throw me in prison... I can't help but think about the other inmates and how I need to get them saved or they're going to go to hell. He said, When my own countrymen hunt me down and want to kill me and they wait for me outside the the city and I have to be let down over the wall in a basket, he said, All I can think hanging in that basket, being lowered down, wondering if it's my last moments on earth, all I can think about is that I would almost give up my salvation if you could be saved. He was consumed. He's shipwrecked, floating on a board, praying and asking God to save the souls that are with him so he can preach to them once they get to land. He's sitting in a Roman prison, praying and begging God that he could get the gospel and personally witness to Caesar. They beat him. And he thought about the stripes which the Savior bore for him. They stoned him to the point that he actually died and went to heaven. And he heard things he couldn't repeat and saw things he couldn't describe. And later in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I'm, I'm in a strait betwixt two because I have a desire to depart and be in heaven but being here is more needful for you. He said, he said, my job here is not done. I need to keep winning souls and teaching people about Christ and and equipping other people to go do the same. Friend, this was not a carnal man. This was not a casual man. He was committed. Look at verse 15. Let us therefore as many as be perfect. That means mature. Be thus minded. He said, look, look at me. He said, if you are a mature Christian, you will feel the same way. Carnal Christians are immature Christians. They're like babes in Christ. Casual Christians are immature Christians. But if you're a mature Christian, if you're walking in the Spirit, you feel the same way that Paul did I've not apprehended I'm not who I ought to be but I'm pressing toward the mark I want to be like Jesus I want my words to sound like his words I want my hands to do what he would do I want my eyes to see the world the way he sees it I want my mind to think the way he thinks and be filled with the principles of the Word of God. I want my feet to go where He would go. I want when people look at me, I want them to see through me and see the Son of God. Just like Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, the mature Christians, like the world's going to hell. You say, preacher, there. That's heavy. Paul goes on to say he calls out those who don't feel the same way. Look at verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me. He said, follow me, follow my way of living, my manner of thinking, my philosophy in this passage, be a committed Christian. But then he says, and mark them which walk so as ye have seen us for an example. He said, pick out the people in your life. Pick out the committed Christians in your life and say, they're an example to me. And I want to start modeling my life after that. As, and, and you'll see how they treat their wife and man, I, I want to do that. And they'll see how they treat their husband and I want to do that. You'll see how they handle a stressful situation and I want to do that. You'll see how they, they handle a difficulty in life with faith and you say, that's how I want to do it. You mark the people, you point out the committed Christians in your life and say, that's who I want to be. Why is it all too often we point out the carnal people in our lives and say, that's who I want to be? Teenagers point out the kids getting away with sin and say, that's who I want to be. We point out some adulterer or fornicator or crazy person on TV or radio and say, that's who I want to be. No. Look in your life and find the committed Christians and say, that is my example. Verse 18, he says, for many... Walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now I want you to understand here that I don't think he's talking about lost people. He's talking about saved people. There are Christians who are enemies of the cross. Not only are they not getting people saved, they're making it harder for committed Christians to see people saved. Not only are they not bringing glory to God, but they're casting aspersions upon God. They're enemies of the cross. How does this happen? How does a Christian become an enemy of the cross? Read on. It says, Whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. This is the carnal Christian. The carnal Christian's the enemy of the cross. Their gods, their belly, they just live according to their desires. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. That's how they live. Their glory is in their shame. It's all about them, me, my, mind. look at me, look what I did, look what I can do, look how much money I have, look what car I drive, look what kind of house I live in. It's all about me. And he said it's to their shame. And he says they mind earthly things. Their mind is consumed with the things of this earth. But then he goes back in verse 20, but he says, for our conversation, our behavior, this is the mature Christian, the committed Christian, for our conversation is in heaven. We're not minding earthly things. I mean, we live in this world, but, but our we're minding heavenly things. What does God think about this? How is this going to affect eternity, not just gonna, how is it going to affect my, my paycheck? For our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We understand that we're not we're in this world, but we're, we're just passing through. Our home's laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're heavenly citizens from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not looking for the next high. We're not looking for the next pleasure rush. We're not looking for the next thing we can get away with. We're looking for the Savior. Who is the committed Christian? What does that look like? They're engaged in ministry. They're devoted to God. They're determined to live like Christ. They're attached to faithful Christians. Well, they're a friend of publicans and sinners, but that's not their crowd. That's who they minister to. But they're attached. Their fellowship is with other committed Christians. They're faithful to the church services. I mean, they're here when the doors squeak. And if they're not here, it's because them or someone in their house is sick. They're not, they're not just taking a night off. It's not just, oh, I don't feel good, i got a hangnail, i got a better deal. They're true to the Bible, even when the Bible condemns their actions. They're firm in their convictions, even when others around mock. They're dedicated to Christ above all. They're bound to the Word of God. They don't just pray occasionally. They're pledged to prayer. They're loyal to spiritual leadership. They're resolute in their faith. They resolve to live for God regardless of what others do. They're energized about serving. They're excited to worship. I mean, they're all in. Dedicated. Faithful. I ask you a question, Christian. Which category do you fit in today? Not which category do you want to be in. Not which category do you know is the right answer. But based on the choices of your recent history, based on how you have been living this week, which category do you fit in? I think we should all ask God to help us move into that committed Christian category. And the most committed one of us is not as committed as Christ deserves. Christ could never ask too much of you after what He did for you. And until you are hanging in a cro- hanging on a cross between heaven and earth for the sins of others when you knew no sin, then we're not even close to becoming committed enough. I've been at this thing for 20 some years. I've strived to live my life as a committed Christian for 20 some years. Let me tell you something. God never stops asking for more. He'll always say, I want more. I want more surrender. I want more holiness. I want more sacrifice. And every once in a while, even a committed Christian could be like, are you serious? Like you want more? Yes. Because he wants everything. Without question, without complaint, he purchased it all. It's his. And more than giving to it grudgingly, why don't we be like Mary? the savior sitting in her house and she's so overcome with gratitude and emotion she goes and gets an alabaster box and it's worth an awful lot of money and she breaks it open and the smell the savor of that fills the room and just beautiful smells and this precious ointment she begins to take it and rub it on his feet And then she takes her own hair and begins drying his feet and rubbing it in his feet. And the people around began to complain. Judas wasn't even saved. He said, look at how much money you wasted. Martha said, why isn't she helping me serve? And Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. this was the only thing she could think of that would come close to showing me a little bit of how she thinks of me. And he said, she hath done what she could. And I believe with all my heart that Mary would have done more if she could have thought of it. If you were sitting in that room Would you have the carnal mind just thinking about the money? Would you have the casual mind thinking, what's the big deal? Or would you get on your knees and crawl over and say, Move over, Mary? I'm committed. I'm devoted. He gets my all. That's how I want you to live. Because that's the best way to live. And if you're committed, don't go back to being casual. Perhaps someone used to be committed now they're casual. Perhaps you're casual and you're headed towards carnal. You could be in any one of these things. May God help all of us strive to be in that committed category let's pray father pray that you'd help us as we think about these things you alone are worthy of our all you're worthy to be praised Oh, Father, forgive us for giving you our leftovers. Forgive us for being so filled with the things of this world. Forgive us for being apathetic at times and unmoved, uncaring, unconcerned. Oh, God, help us to be committed Christians. May that be the direction of our life. May that be the goal that we strive for. And would you please, in all of your grace and your mercy and your power, finish your work of molding and shaping us into the image of Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just a conversation tonight. But one that could be the turning point for your whole life. One that could save you from a lifetime of pain and suffering and fill you with joy and peace and eternal rewards. If the Lord spoke to your heart, we're going to open the altar. Let's stand as the piano plays, the altar's open.